A Second Grade Romeo by Walter Baum. The Atlantic Research and Whale Watching Company in Cape May, New Jersey guaranteed sightings of a mammal or the next ride was free. Of course, my daughters wanted Moby Dick, but they would have to settle for Flipper. Kimmy, the 18-year-old sea mammal specialist, played find the dolphin like whack-a-mole. We had to guess where the mother and calf were going to pop up. Someone shouted, there's one! Oh crap, I said. There goes our free ride. I was paying 26 bucks for close-up shots of the ocean and a slice of cardboard pizza. Well, everyone else was. I had buy one, get one free coupons. But I was still upset because what was better than everyone rides for free? From the beach, we saw dolphins better for free, and there wasn't anyone nudging us. The breezes were lovely, though, and I was about to observe something very important. We passed Sunset Beach. It was there many years ago that I waltzed to Van Morrison's moon dance. I asked my girlfriend, would you like to dance against the dunes with no one around us? We had been stretched out on a beach blanket under a full moon. She said there was no music, so I channeled my own Belfast cowboy. It was my first romantic success. And what I mean by success is that a woman didn't run away in horror. Should it matter that I was 25? It just took me a while to learn. A year later, that girlfriend became my wife. So there on the boat, crowded with strangers, I hugged Mary Jane and sang in her ear, It's a fantabulous night to make romance. Think again, mister, she said. We have kids in the same room tonight. Adorable children are the ultimate game killers. So we passed the famous SS Atlantis, the experimental concrete ship, created during World War II when iron was in short supply. It sank on its debut, much like I did with women. This was all again before Mary Jane. As we returned to the harbor in Cape May, some second grade boy, some young version of Casanova, was offering free starbursts to all the girls. This included my two daughters, Madeline and Nancy, who were only seven and four. The girls swam around his mercurial smile. His generosity declared that there was enough for everyone. At his age, I would selfishly swallow candy like a Pez dispenser on the intake. Is this your first time at Cape May? He asked my daughter. Oh no, we come to Cape May frequently, Madeline replied. Would you like another starburst? You could have any color. This Romeo was not only charming, but effortlessly conversational. He turned to my younger daughter. You could take more too, he said to Nancy. Inspired, I gazed at my water bottle. Would you like the last swig? I asked Mary Jane. Even though I was in my 30s, I could still learn how to be charming, generous, and seductive. I never knew it could be that easy. When I was a teenager, I was a disaster with girls. Such disasters still haunt me. I did everything to impress women, except speak to them. There was this one girl who lived around the corner. Let's call her Juliet. I don't know what it was about her. As an immature, pimply adolescent, I guess it was more about the Jordash than her inner light. Her long, brown, curly hair reminded me of Yeats's I am looped in the loops of your hair, but famous Irish poets eluded me back then. Juliet was on my bus stop. She always appeared just moments before the bus arrived. Even if I wanted to speak, there wasn't time, right? What would get her to notice me? Would wearing a different Led Zeppelin shirt every day impress her? One day in September, I was jamming to Whole Lot of Love. My younger brother and sister had barricaded themselves in their room, studying, of course, but I rocked. Because I could die at any moment, rocking was always the best option. I love reading and writing, but studying has to be the worst. As the eldest, I ruled with a hammer of the gods, spreading the gospel of Zeppelin. Through the blinds, I would catch Juliet walking her football of a dog. 
I opened the windows and crooned. Way down inside, honey, you and me. I'm going to give you my love. I'm going to give you my love. Did such lyrics actually work with women? Have women actually studied these things? I can't even imagine this working with Mary Jane. There I imagined, brushing her teeth or stirring the sauce, and here I would come singing, Come on, come on, come on, now touch me, babe. And yet, there I was back then, singing the sickness of uncontrollable male urges to a woman I didn't even know. Oh, youth. Oh, pre-me too. On the next day, I realized that Juliet walked her football dog at the same time every day. I opened the windows for her to hear the good news. I plugged in my amp and practiced this Jimmy Page riff over and over. The windows vibrated. I vibrated. My sister, irritated, said it was too loud. I'm going to tell mommy on you when she gets home. My sister said this time and time and time again. And every time I sang, she didn't even turn her head to hear the music. Uh, Juliet, not my sister. The Romeo on the boat would have called out the dog's name and offered doggy treats and asked her what kind of music she liked. Such tips never dawned on me. Crazy. Her Jordash could have launched a thousand guitar riffs. But it didn't matter because everything would have been required speaking to a woman. What else could be done? Since Juliet was a cheerleader, she probably liked the athletic type. So I started jogging, at least past her house, and then I'd walk around the block. Two houses away, I would race past her house and then slow down to catch my breath. Then I'd stroll around the block, recovering. I did this ten times. It took me an hour and a half, an impressive use of time, and a splendid way of avoid studying. I promised myself that if she was outside, I would stop, take a deep breath, and ask her for some water. One day she did see me, but I ran even faster. Would she even consider that for such a fitness freak that I was rather chubby? In a week, I gave up jogging and tried out for the basketball team. I could become a real jock, but my sneakers were coming apart. The rubber sole was ripped from the canvas. My foot slipped out constantly. When I'd pivot, half my foot slid onto the court. I ran, but the slap, slap, slap on the court made the coach take notice. What's that noise? Oh, that's just bound, my friend told him. I didn't make the team. I wasn't a bad shot. It was just unfair competition. All the other Voorhees guys had fully attached sneakers. New sneakers seemed ridiculous because new sneakers meant bobos from Two Guys or Kmart. A kid named Joe teased me for wearing bobos. My mom finally consented to buy me canvas Nikes. I felt like a god. Oh, what a day that was. Glorious. Did I mention that we didn't really have a lot of money? The divorce and all was tough, and who was there really to teach me about women and dating? Eh, no one really, just my toxic male rock gods and my vivid imagination of Jimi Hendrix making sweet love to his guitar while imploring, Can I stand next to your fire? If I couldn't impress women with my jockiness, how about being a scholar? What would make Juliet's of the world realize that I could be a decent earner? I started carrying around a Merck manual, hoping she would notice that I was studying to be a doctor. Okay, a gynecologist. That's the gone honest truth. If I've never seen a woman naked except for the playboys I stole from my dad's bottom drawer under the socks and that's what I wanted, what better profession? A boy's mind in ninth grade is a toxic sex pull of sludge. Do women realize the sludginess of those hormones? And what a terrible thing, really, because what female would want such a jerk? After seeing so many naked women all day, wouldn't anybody after work seem like just a lump of meat not consigned to a soul? Again, this was all in the past. But I did sign up for anatomy and then genetics. I had no aptitude or success in math or science or studying. Again, this involved a lot of studying 
And yet the powers that be allowed me to sign up willy-nilly. 206 bones. That's the only thing I recall about anatomy. In ninth grade biology, I discovered that I was a good writer. No to sports, no to medicine, but yes to literature. That didn't require any studying, just effort and amuse. Miss Moore had us write an obituary. In mine, I was known for amazing children, an amazing wife, and a prize for literature for the novel The Devil's Calling. Would the girls be interested, impressed, with my novel about a dystopian, futuristic Soviet Union that used artificial genetic engineering to create a master race? Hey, it took place on a Soviet space station and it involved the volatile passions of an ethical scientist named John Leonoff. Okay, you get it, John Lennon, who fell in love with a wanton, super-sexy Soviet dissident, Syria Johansson, who was trying to overthrow the corrupt Moscow government. She was a scientist and a rebel and a kick-ass who liked black knickers and black lace. Again, I'm in high school. Not too original as far as the black lace. Alas, Juliet was no lover of literature. With her as my muse, I turned to writing songs like My Rock Gods. If I couldn't speak to her, I could sing for her. Even if no one knew I was the sexy vocalist in this band my cousin and brother called Mohill Man and the Two Aces. If The Who could write a hit called Squeeze Box about a woman's breasts, I could write one called Let Me Feel You. I pranced around like a juvenile Robert Plant of Led Zeppelin with an open shirt. I would disrobe during the concert, enticing my grandmother, my aunts and uncles, and young cousins with my chubby 14-year-old body. Again, a toxic sex pull of sludge. Concerts were held during holiday parties. Let Me Feel You had to be edited for my mom's boyfriend, Ron, who was this feminist. What would mortify anyone about dancing around the room half-naked with my mom's pantyhose seized over my head, screaming about sleeping with some chick? What was the problem with the lines, come on baby, and take off your clothes and kiss, kiss, kiss till the night is dead? Even then I was fighting the man. I had to change the song to Let Me Touch You. Now I know how the Doors and the Rolling Stones felt on Ed Sullivan. Why should the rock gods get away with so much more? I wanted to spend the night together and touch someone's fire, but when? When? After so much bad fortune with the local girls, I wrote what I consider my masterpiece, You Make Me Barf. It was a fusion of Green Day and the Beastie Boys, long before those bands existed. So my pursuit of Juliet ended, but others began. Long, ignoble crusades of other Gatsby-like golden girls, all with much horror and comedy, tears and drama, just the way I wanted it. That was my script. Until I met Mary Jane at a dance on Boathouse Row in Philly. This was what I was thinking while watching the second grader on the boat all those years ago. My girls came back with soggy mouths of Starburst. The girls around me were always safe from my hands, but not really from my mind. It's impossible to speak when petrified, but this Romeo on the whaleboat was different. What was that kid about, I asked Madeline. I don't trust him. Oh, Dad, he's nice, she replied. Cute too, huh? I guess. He didn't ask you out, did he? Dad, I'm in second grade for goodness sakes. Madeline replied, You gotta watch out for guys, I said. Lots of jerks. She whacked me on the arm and smirked. The boat approached the dock. It was almost dark. Nancy stopped chomping. Already I was feeling the pull away. Every day, we cast off what needs to be sent out to sea. It's needed for those we love to be free. We cannot keep those we love forever bound to our harbor. And I know I'll be devastated when they leave for college, when they meet the boy who gets them. And then, oh boy, the wedding. I'm in tears even thinking about the father-daughter dance. You know, I lecture to them. When the first boy asks you out, I want a resume that includes references from a priest, minister, rabbi, mullah, 
job references, activities, report cards since first grade, interest, hobbies, travel experiences, a bank statement with a variety of follow-up bonds, mutual and index funds, a writing sample, essential of course, and an in-person interview of why you want to date my daughter, plus an original sonnet on love and an oral exam on the vicissitudes of love. And of course, a list of potential colleges. Nancy couldn't respond because her mouth was stuffed with Starburst. They giggled. Dad, I'm only in second grade. Yeah, I know, I said. You learn a lot in second grade. I know I said all that when they were young. But now as young women, I know any man they decide to date and marry must already be pretty cool, right? Such paternalistic control may have once seemed endearing, but that foolish Polonius from Hamlet, we must remember to allow our children the autonomy to select what their souls desire. And yes, I just dropped Emily Dickinson. And it never required an ounce of studying. Yes, that second grade Romeo was, was a better teacher than any of those toxic male rock gods. And yes, it took me a while to get there, but it's never too late to change. It's also wonderful to still feel that urge every day to spend the night together with a woman who not only gets you, but laughs with you. And that was worth the any weight.